maybe it's time for us to follow everyone else and go, okay, who are we? Because mm. everything's mm. like, oh, you know, a lot of things, oh, you've got to cry, you've got to cry, but I don't generally want to cry every day. It's not something I really, you know, that's not a big thing for me. I, I'd rather have the ability to have a laugh. Welcome to the Tradies Business Show with Warwick Bidwell. Talking business ownership, the nuts and bolts, and everything in between. G'day, listeners, and welcome back to the Tradies Business Show. I'm Warwick, your host, and I've got an episode with a difference today. You might have gathered from the little snippet at the start that this is uh, not your usual episode, uh, but I think it's a cracker. I uh, I came across today's guest a little bit randomly, but um, I was introduced to him via a mutual friend who works in the area of men's rights. Now, ladies, don't uh, tune out just yet. Um, I have a, a fascinating chat um, with Michael, with my guest today, uh, about a whole bunch of issues that are affecting society, and they're relevant to us as business owners, because as you know, business is really about people. And so, uh, you know, we talk a lot about uh, the way people are responding to things these days, about some of the social issues affecting us, and in particular, we um, we touch on suicide uh, and suicide prevention. As you know, I'm passionate about uh, work in this area, so. Um, bit of an episode with a difference, uh, you know, it, it gets perhaps a little controversial at times, maybe uh, some people might be offended, and, and as I say in the uh, in the recording, certainly not our intention, um, but really just looking to uh, to ask a lot of questions and, and perhaps just think a little differently about some of the things affecting us these days as business owners and um, mums and dads and uh, partners and members of society. So uh, strap yourself in and uh, give me your feedback. If uh, if you've got specific feedback you'd like to give me, hit me on the Facebook page, Tradies Business Show, or uh, via the website, tradiesbusinessshow.com. Love to hear from you, whether you love it, hate it, um, you know, want to threaten me with violence. Uh, <laughs> you'll hear there's a little reference to that in the recording. So uh, anyway, enjoy the episode and uh, I look forward to hearing your comments. Joining me today on the Tradies Business Show is a man by the name of Michael Griffith. Now, Michael is uh, Skyping in from sunny Melbourne. Uh, I don't know if it's sunny down there at the moment, Michael, but welcome to the show, mate. Thank you. Pleasure to, uh, pleasure to have you here. Well, it's my pleasure anyway. I hope you're pleased. Uh, <laughs> mate, um, as I always say to my guests, uh, rather than me do a shitty job of introducing you, can you do a shitty job of introducing yourself and that way you can take the credit? All right. I'm, um, I'm uh, a father of two from Melbourne and uh, I do playwriting. Um, and I used to do playwriting about issues. And uh, I've just recently uh, had a friend of mine uh, take his own life, and so I had a play in my head for ages about uh, an anti-suicide play aimed at men. And so I've written it, and now uh, now we're putting it on, and now you know there's sort of people starting to get interest. And uh, Warwick was one of them, and so we're getting interviewed here. Very excited about. It. Thanks, mate. That was you did pretty well, Michael. You did a much better job than I would have done, mate. I can tell you. Uh, so obviously I want to talk to you about the play and, and we'll talk about suicide and, and listeners to the show will know that I'm uh, very passionate about making a difference in this area and I do some work with, uh, mates in construction and, and some of those organizations. But, um, mate, I'm interested writing plays. Like you don't look like a, a typical playwright. You're not wearing a beret. You don't have little glasses on your nose or maybe you got them in your pocket, but, uh, yeah. tell me. Tell me and our listeners a bit about your background, Michael. How did you come to be writing plays? Uh, well, uh, I went to a Catholic school that uh, kindly told me to leave in year 10 because I was causing too much trouble. And um, I've just been doing jobs, you know, just whatever jobs I can get since then, really. And uh, writing was something I've always done. I just like writing stories about people I work with, people I meet. Um, and uh, about about ten years ago or something, or quite a, uh, I finally thought I went to one of them into a competition with about a with an old Anglo-Indian man, and uh, it was a national competition. I thought just to see 
if they're any good. And the thing won. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> and, uh, and then I uh, went and saw a play. I came to Melbourne, uh, saw a play, and I thought, I didn't like it. I didn't like how, uh, how uh, it was about a working class guy. I didn't like how he, how he was being portrayed. I thought it was a bit of a cliche. So I started writing some. <laughs> and uh, yeah, there's a local theatre down here called La Mama, which does new playwrights. And, They've done loads of mine, so it's uh, this is what we do, and I just really get a buzz out of it. And uh, and this one is particularly uh, special to me because it, it it is uh, about blokes. We even went to a theatre recently where this woman who runs the theatre, when I spruced it to her, I said, "Look, I got this idea for the play," and she actually said, "Oh, only women go, only women buy tickets. Oh, it's a terrible idea." It sort of pissed me off a bit. <laughs> Red rag to a bull, mate. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you said you write plays about issues. What are, what are some of the issues that you've written plays about or, or some of the issues that get up your grill, mate? Oh, well, the, uh, we just had one on just recently called The Magnolia Tree, which is going on in Canberra uh, in the start of next year. And that was interesting. That was about a family uh, getting together to put their mother into a nursing home. The mother had Alzheimer's. And um, and both women in the family were very poor. Um, and then one of them was a single mother, and she was like, she wanted the mum to go into the nursing home, but she, she just wanted mum to look after, but she's also looking forward to her share of the money so that she could get something together for her kids because she's got no future, can't afford a house, can't afford this, and was looking at a future. Then she found out how much money the nursing home was going to take, and, um, and it was like, Oh my God, you know, so she's like, she's spending her kid's future on her mum, uh, that was gone. And then the brother suggested, uh, that they let mum go tonight and he bought the means to do it. At the end of the play, Act 3, um, the audience voted and the audience decided because this, uh, woman, Deborah, leaves the room to kill her mother. And the audience votes, does she do it or does she not? And yes. I expected they know every night, but it ended up in the end, it was three to four, they voted to let mum go, and we were a bit in shock. So it's wow. quite complicated too, but it was, it was to try show uh, how, how hard it's getting out there for people, yeah, and yeah. how some people have a morality that they can't afford anymore, and, and stuff like this. And this mother was like... Uh, a grizzly bear mother, really. She had her kids, and the kids were... Yep. So it was... Uh, yeah, so it was really interesting. And when they, she came down at the end, it was a secret vote. You never knew until the last moment whether she'd done it or not. And the audience would just go... Every time they saw that she'd done it, the audience would be like... <gasps> you know, it was... It was... Yeah, it, it, was, it was really interesting, really electric. That's so, a uh, bit of an Orwellian uh, experiment, mate. Uh, yeah, yeah. But I haven't told my mum. My mum's in person. She's going... <laughs> It's about gardening. Yeah. Gardening. So it's... Yeah, but that was really interested me because in Melbourne, uh, homelessness and, and especially amongst uh, mature women is it's, it's huge on the rise like crazy. People can't afford rent. They can't afford this. Yeah. Australia's changing as we know it. Yeah. You know, right in front of our eyes. And, and uh, the politicians... Uh, seem to see it like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With hands over the eyes, mate. Uh, So it's something I want to dig into, and I might be drawing a long bow in today's episode. Uh, You know, we are called the Tradies Business Show, but more and more I'm speaking to business owners, I'm talking to people such as yourself, to clients, and um, being a, a business owner is more than just you know, marketing and Facebook and uh, cash flow and all that sort of stuff. It's about how to be a human uh, in this society that we're all affected by, you know, customer psychology and employing staff. I mean, it's business is all about people. So more of my episodes, I want to have conversations with people like you, Michael, where we're talking about the things that are relevant to human relationships and then I'm hoping that my listeners can glean some stuff from that, and I'm not talking complete crap, uh, and they can apply that in their daily lives to improve their business. So the point you just raised before about 
um, you know, people have a morality that they can't afford. It's like, you know, we can't afford these sort of uh, dream chart lives or vision board lives anymore, and we're faced with some pretty tough decisions. Um, obviously, and, and we were chatting a little bit before I hit record, uh, unfortunately, suicide is a solution that a, a frightening number of people actually uh, implement in their lives. Yeah. Um, and you've, you've lost someone to suicide. Uh, can, yeah. you, can you tell us a little more about that, mate? I mean, I, I don't want to sort of, uh, you know... I, uh, well, I think, you know, he was... Uh, we were doing these little common videos, and uh, he, he was a Facebook friend, really, but he's in the acting circles down here. I knew him, you know. Uh, really, really good-looking guy, really talented. And uh, he came and did, but when he came to do one of our videos, he was like this disheveled mess. And I was thinking, oh, this doesn't look good. And, uh, and uh, we had a few conversations on um, um, Messenger, just going back and forth. He was saying he was in a bad way and, and stuff like this. And I was also sort of saying, you know, you should get some help and something like this. And, uh, and then lo and behold, he just did a one night. And... Uh, I was just stunned, thinking, oh, I, it just didn't occur to me that he would, you know. I just thought it was more like uh, chatting, you could get past it, it was just like all of us think of it. Yeah. But not all of us think of it, but a lot of us, a lot yeah. of us did it every now and again. Yep. And uh, he, he just seemed to have so much going for him that I just didn't take it as seriously as I should have. Mm. And I think a lot of people down here feel the same. And then he was gone. Um, and then another thing too, we have a, uh, I, I have a work now with a guy that used to be a, uh, a funeral director and he told me he quit because he was sick of turning up at these, uh, suburbs with these McMansions where the men are taking their own lives in the mansion. You know, they've been so, so caught up in debt and, and working like crazy trying to service mm. all this debt and, and build this Australian dream. Mm. That they take themselves out, it's like an epidemic. Yeah. And so the stories like this that keep resonating with me and thinking, well, this is what I wanted to explore it. And I hadn't seen anyone do it in the sort of way that I was thinking about it. Mm-hmm. So um, let's talk about the play uh, because I think, you know, it's, it's a good time to, to have a chat about that. And then I want to talk about, I guess, some more of these bigger issues and bigger topics that are affecting. Um, men and and you know I'm not going to make any bones about it. Uh, a lot of my listeners are, are you know Australian men that are like you say maybe not living in the McMansions. Uh, tradies make good money, but I don't think it's that good. But um, you know there's a lot of stresses and and a lot of pressure and a lot of demands uh, placed on our fathers and and our uncles and our brothers. Uh, so we'll come back to that, but tell us a bit more about the play. So, you know, you, you obviously lost someone reasonably close to you and, um, and that's prompted you to write a play, Michael. Can you give us a bit yeah. of an insight into it without obviously giving the whole thing away? <laughs> okay. I, I had a, um, I, I had an idea for, uh, uh, four guys trapped in like a sub layer of heaven. They don't even know where they are. And they've all, uh, attempted suicide and it's all failed. And now they're stuck there. They've been registered as failures, and uh, that's all they know. They, they have. They don't know their names. Uh, they don't have any phones or computers to muck around with, and uh, and they uh, they can't remember what sport they like. So it, it could be hell. So. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> no sport. So that is hell. Yeah, and they're, and they're stuck there, and they're, like we have a young guy, young country guy, and we've got a tradie, and we've got a professional, and we've got an office guy. So it comes. In four different demographics, and uh, these guys don't know what's happening. They're just stuck. They just can't figure out why they're not being sent back to their bodies. And they sort of the play goes from there. It's like a mystery to why they're there. And the hindsight comes in as they start to really regret their decisions after it. And uh, and so they become more as they the regret grows more and more, and they really want to get back. To uh, their lives and really start fixing up their lives, um, the, the tension grows within the piece. But that doesn't sound funny, but it actually is funny. And and I wanted it to be uh, entertaining. I wanted it to be a 
com- not a comedy, but a lot of comedy in it, in order that when guys came to see it, they were laughing, they were enjoying it, and then they were moved by it as well, that they tell other guys, you've got to come and see this. And, and also, um, it's like a nutcracker. When we've had the readings, uh, and the reading is where you know, the, the guys are on scripts and they read it out from the script to an audience before we get to the stage. Uh, the audience afterwards, the men come up and the men just want to talk. They want to talk and talk and talk. And so we want to hold forums afterwards. So the play sort of opens you up and the comedy reduces your, se- your shields and the play opens you up and then men want to talk. And I, I just think that's really healthy. So our plan is, if it works, to take from town, regional centres and, and the cities and then it's followed by a forum where you've either got Lifeline or Dads in Distress or something else is there and go, okay, let's have, let's have a good old uh, chat. Let's get a few beers and talk it out and open up and really discuss this thing because it's an epidemic. This is, if we were losing as many men as we were to flu or anything else, we have a national emergency on our hands. And this now, I, I know there's a lot of stuff that's done with this and this, but there's still a great deal of silence compared to how many people are losing a day. It means terrific. Yeah. You know? Yeah, terrific, mate. And, uh, uh, interestingly enough, the the latest statistics, which uh, you know, I'm not a big fan of stats, but <clears throat> the the figures were released this week for uh, um, you know suicide uh, in this country, and it pretty much remains largely unchanged from 2015 to 2016, and by far the largest um, uh, part of those numbers is men. 75% of, of the people we lose to suicide are men. Um, mm. Now, there's a lot of conjecture around that, and you know, I'm not looking to genderize this issue, uh, but I also don't want to stuff around with being politically correct, and it's something that I want to talk to you about, Michael, because I've read the play, and, um, and I did laugh out loud, uh, and my fiance wanted to know what I was laughing about, so I read some sections out to her, and she even had a chuckle. Now it sounds a bit macabre that we would be laughing about something as as serious and horrific as as suicide, but um, you know, I've been chatting to people lately, and and we were chatting uh, off air this afternoon as well about, I think, um, well, I'm going to call it the degradation of our language and and our our conversation tone around some of these issues we're also paranoid about upsetting or offending other people and minority groups and interest groups and you've only got to look to the uh you know the much maligned plebiscite and all of the the uh shenanigans going on around that to see i think where we're going in terms of our human relationships but um mate give me some insights i mean you obviously wrote this play knowing that it was a little bit edgy as far as the language and the setting and the way it was talked about. What was behind yeah. that thinking, Michael? Well, one of the, one of the characters is a, is a tradie, and he is a uh, let's say he's a, he's an outlawed Australian male. I mean, in uh, the tradie circles, he probably survives, and there's probably some factories where uh, he still survives. But if he spoke the way he spoke in an office environment or a public transport environment or anything else like that, they'd sack him. Yep. And he, there's nothing really uh, malicious or anything in, in anything that he says. He just tells it like it is. And uh, and sometimes he gets it wrong, but he's just opening his thoughts. And uh, and the, that's what we found. The audiences love him. And I actually was trying to show that uh, these rough diamonds or this, this way of talking – is actually healing because what the play is is a uh, is based on a saying that comes from my mother actually that you can't reach the dawn unless you journey through the dark mm. and the only way to journey through the dark is to be honest with ourselves and that's what this this crazy guy is yep. and every other guy is trying to get physically correct he hits him down with a mallet and yep. uh, and I find that's really really refreshing and in our society now. Even with like in the same sex debate, like regardless of which way you're voting, there's not actually a debate going on really. It's like one side comes up and the other side is like, oh, you this, you this, you this. And 
you know, I, I think we're, we're in a country now where we really need to be able to talk about these major issues that are facing us. Yeah. You know, the only thing we can talk about without getting upset is uh, laminating our kitchens or, or <laughs> things like that. This didn't offend anyone. Yeah. You know, but uh, on other issues, if you raise up, you're racist, you're homophobic, you're this, you're this, you're this, and basically it's just shutting you up. Yeah. And, uh, and so a lot of people are getting very isolated in themselves, probably women too, but especially men. And, and then the other thing too, which I think is on top of that, is like down here, we have lots of organizations now that are advertising just for women. And so men know, men now, my, I'm 50, I'm 51, men now, the guys I work with my age go, this is what they feel is they are unwanted by society. Yep. Their demographic is now called, oh, are you still here? You know, it's, yeah. it's a, a, you're an unwanted, mature white male, go away. Yeah. And so, you know, and it's, and, and then so you wonder, well, does that have any correlation to the fact that the suicide rate is really high amongst this group? No one talks about it. It's like, oh, well, I don't know. But it's, it's a dangerous minefield of a territory. Mm. You know what I mean? And we have tons to offer. I mean, most of us, you know, we can live now into our 80s. We've got like 30, 40 years of really productive uh, life left in us. And, and yet we're seen as uh, old, unchangeable, yeah. sick. Privileged. And... Uh, on issues, and I think that's wearing down on men. You know, mm. I think men are getting very angry about that. Actually, mm. you know, mm. yeah, it's it's uh, it's ironic, really. In the race for equality, we're creating more division amongst uh, the genders and the races and the religions, and and there's yeah. there seems to be more and more infighting, despite the cries of of you know striving for equality. It's like we've gone backwards with it all in some yeah, ways. Well, I- I think the thing is gender equality, and at the moment, you know, the pendulum has gone too much one way. I've got a 15-year-old son, and he said, well, this is not fair, you know, and he hasn't done anything. He hasn't been, you know, he, that's all gone. So, you know, the uh, the feminist rise, he, he's born up in that. Mm. But he can see that, that there's uh, a lack of fairness. And my father, who's, who's 80, he says, you know, that um, the gender quality is all out of out of whack. So we need to get more to equality. I mean, yeah. you know, I, I work with women, I've had women bosses. You know, the, the equality from my level, working class level, I see everywhere. Yeah. So, you know, people say, oh, there's jobs where women get paid less than men. Well, I've never worked those jobs, so I don't know what they are. You no. know. But, uh, but I think that a gender equality and an equality means, you know, a freedom of speech too. I mean, this is what what we fought wars for and everything this this freedom of speech. You know what I mean? And we can't have it. Even um, you've noticed in a lot of places, jokes are dead. We, I grew up in an era where you know, people would tell jokes like crazy. <laughs> you have to never hear them because you can't hardly say a joke unless you bloody attend someone or something or something. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I actually went into a barber shop the other day it's, and... Uh, in the the town where I live, there's uh, about two hundred fifty thousand people. There's only two barber shops left. The rest are all sort of chain stores, and uh, you know you get a different person every time. But there's two shops left where you go and you actually get your hair cut by the barber. And uh, one oh, of them is a guy. He's been doing it for fifty years, and uh, you know he's in his his um, late sixties, I think, or early seventies. But from the moment you walk in his barber shop. He's just he's got the one liners rolling off the tongue the tongue and they're all inappropriate and they're all offensive to somebody, to the Irish or to the to the Catholics yeah. or to the nurses or whoever. But you know, it's it's funny he's he's funny as all get out. And you know, yeah. as I left, most of his clientele are um sort of middle aged, older men. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, it's it's like they go there partly because they like, they just like to have a laugh, and yeah, that 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 was another. Thing. See, the the laughter in the play is enforced. You put these men together, and you know, one of the a couple of them are jokers. They make they have fun. They like laughing. They like laughing. I actually think laughter um, is one of the tools we're given by the universe to get through life. It gets us through everything. All of us have been to funerals where suddenly everyone's giggling because someone said something in the eulogy and everyone's laughing. You know, it's, it's not bad to laugh. You know, it's, it's, 
it's no. not it's seen as disrespectful, but it's not, you know. It's uh Yeah. Yeah, so that that's the play. The play hasn't been written sort of for jokes. These guys just can't help but be funny. And <laughs> and so yeah, it's it's barbers like that, it's it's we were talking about this the other day. I was at I was at a uh a place even talking about you can't talk about the different races. And I might say this, this is really interesting. And we and I said, okay, well, how about this? Is this racist? And what I was going was, like, you're like you're a guy, a white guy, but you're an Indian, an African or anything, and if you were walking down the street backwards, banging your head with your fists, you'd be thinking, oh, poor bastard, you know, look at him. You know, he's off to the fairies. If you if you're the person was Chinese, you'd be thinking, I bet that's bloody good for you. <laughs> you know, like holistic medicine. Now, is that racist? But that's what we actually think. You know, you'd be thinking, you know, yeah. what to do with this fucking equilibrium or something. You know? <laughs> Maybe I should do it. <laughs> now, is that racist? And everyone's going, uh, well, you know, you're not really putting the Chinese down, but they don't know. Yep. And so everyone opts for silence, you know, like, oh, it's too dangerous. But this is curtailing our larrikin spirit. And we're losing we're losing the the connection and the conversations because of that um, strangling of people's voices. You know, they're too afraid yeah. to say anything, so we just all end up silent about so many things. And nobody's not nobody. That's that's a you know all generalizations are bad, but you know more and more people are just staying quiet about stuff and not having an opinion and not being passionate about anything and not. Stepping up to protect what they believe in, and uh, you know, I, I'm not suggesting that we we have anarchy and everybody has their own say in their own way. Uh, but like you say, Michael, it's it's definitely looking like the pendulum has swung too far the other way on so many of these things. Well, look at the uh, there was a girl recently who put up on Facebook that she was voting no, mm, and, and she got the sack. Uh, she said, please vote no, these are my reasons. And a boss sat there. Yep. Now, that's perfectly thing. We've got a debate in the country about this. What's the way? So to me, everyone has the right to put their put their opinion forward as, as delicately as you can, but you've got a right to talk about it. But this woman's obviously saying, well, no, you don't. And and so if that, say that woman was a man, say you, you've got a mortgage, you've got kids, you've got to, you know, you've got to look after your family, you've got to... You, or you've just got a bills to pay, and you're thinking, well, if I say what I want to say, I could lose my job and endanger everything. Yeah. So you're forced to say something mm-hmm. out of, you know, what you love, you know what I mean? It's And that's where we are now. I mean, even uh, in, the, in, the, in the text of the work that I do, in, in my text, it says in there, then if you put anything offensive up on Facebook, even if it's got nothing to do with the work I do, that could offend anybody, they can they can discipline me, severely discipline me. Yeah. You know? And since spanking is about, but I take it that means happening. You know, there's it's but that's that's in the, that's what the corporations have got in their literature and that's silencing a generation. And uh, you know, I, I think this is something really that we have to discuss, okay. Where's where's the borders between what we do, you know, and and stuff like this, and the freedom and the and the health of being able to talk. Mm-hmm. So it's something that uh, I mean, we've probably already upset a bunch of people, Michael, uh, in this conversation. <laughs> but you know, rather than just talk about what the problem is, I'm curious to know. You know, you've written this play, and you've you've obviously written a few. What do you see as a way forward with this? Or, or what are some changes that you think we ought to be making? And I want to try and loop around to, you know, our listeners sitting there running a business, running a family, could be a husband or a wife, you know, a tradie wife as well, listen to the show. Like, how the hell does this apply to them? And and how might this be showing up in their lives? And what can they do about it? Okay, I, I think... Uh one interesting thing, we ha- I don't know if you've got them up in Queensland, we've got a thing down here called Fernwood, which is uh, gyms just for women. Yep. And we've got a, a lot of things like that uh, just for women. We've even got some uh, nightclubs that are just for 
days, you know, because they, they, and, yeah. and I think, and we, I know we have the men's sheds for, for the, the older men. I think it's, it's time that, uh, we went back and got some places where men can go and maybe hang out and piss butt around and, and just let it out and, and not be scared that anything they're going to say is going to, yeah. to have any consequence in their lives. I think that could be really healthy. Uh, well, and just allowing men to just be men without having to think, can I say that? Can I do this? Can I, will that give me this? They can actually just be. Um, and if they want it, it's there for them. You know, I mean, there's uh, one interesting thing. This is this is really interesting, and you'll see it in schools. Uh, my kids are out of school, uh, in high school now, don't do, but when you used to go to the and pick up when they're in primary school, and this is, this is really going to be good, you'd, you'd be standing there, and there'd be mothers walking around in their, in their leggings. And I like looking women fun. I just like it. And, and you go, and you're with a guy, and you go, look at that. And these guys are like this. <laughs> they're too afraid to look sideways. They're too afraid to look, because if I look, there's going to be consequences. And so then I think, yeah, but look, the women are even wearing lighter ones. So maybe the women are so desperate to look, they're wearing lighter, look, 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 and he's going, I can't look down. It's, it's, <laughs> it's just mental. I actually think uh, the real answer is to allowing men some freedom to be men. Men, some men like men, but a lot of men like women. We do. It's, 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 we just do, you know. And, and we're not all bad. There's a lot of good qualities to men. You know, a lot of fun to have around. We lift things, we pick things up. Uh, we we're useful for a whole bunch of stuff, aren't we, mate? <laughs> yeah, we are. You know, we're, <laughs> we're not. We're not all bad. We're, I know we have some bad, but we're not all bad. You know, I mean, if it wasn't for us, the point is, she would collapse. You know, the thing is, it's we have benefits to us. And, but but the and point of that is, mate, is it's actually up to us men to go. Okay. Who are we and what does it mean to be a man in this era? And what do we want? If we want gender equality, okay, what do we want? The women wanted to burn their bras? And I was like, yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll burn our jock straps. Yeah, yeah. You know, burn our jock straps. Or, what do we want? As men, maybe we need to get together and go, well, what does that mean to us? You know, what do we want to, what do we want the freedom to say? What do we think is over the line? And, Maybe it's time for us to to follow everyone else and go. Okay, who are we? Because mm. mm. everything's like, oh, you know, a lot of things. Oh, you've got to cry. You've got to cry. But I don't generally want to cry every day. It's not something I really, you know, that's not a big thing for me. I, I'd rather have the ability to have a laugh. Yeah, it'd be more happy for me than a cry. Yep. You know, it was. It's interesting. And, uh, uh, it's an interesting point, Michael. And we got a little bit of Skype lag here, so sorry for for talking over the top of you, but. Uh, a, a couple of years ago now, um, you know, I've been through a separation and, and coming out of the end of a divorce and all that sort of stuff. Uh, pretty funky time in my life. And uh, when it, when I was sort of in the thick of it all, I was I was being very um, withdrawn and submissive, and and you know I was I was um, allowing some things to happen. Uh, around all of that, that that probably weren't serving me. Well, they definitely weren't serving me, and and I don't think in the long term they were going to serve my daughter either. But uh, I had a mate of mine at the time who <laughs> he very loving guy, very spiritual guy, um, fantastic fellow. I did another podcast with him for a while. He uh, actually tongue in cheek uh, is important to say threatened me with physical violence if I didn't stop bitching and moaning about it and actually do something to change what was going on and you know it was just what i needed like he he threatened me now i know he wasn't ever going to physically harm me but that's kind of the that bloke's way of dealing with stuff is you know change what you're doing or i'm going to smash you in the face with a hammer you know it's like (laughs) and that happens to a degree in the play you know what i mean there's there's some lines in the play which you think, like, when we showed it to uh, Men's Line, they, before they even read it, they said, you can't use the word failure. Have you used the word failure? You can't use the word failure. And we'll go and we'll, yeah, all the way through. You know, it's, uh, yep. but it's seen as, it's, that's seen as the miracle if they fail. But it's, 
But there's this thing of saying you can't do this, you can't say that, you can't say that, where actually your mate has proved, no, that's actually what you need. You need to come up and say, no, come on. Yeah. What are you going to do? Snap out of it. Now, uh, as I said, a complete lack of boundaries and respect and everything is not what we're suggesting. And I'm not saying that by way of disclaimer, more that it's about a balance and, and it's the same in our businesses and our lives. And I see a lot of business people um, and business owners who have done the same. They swung too far the other way. They're too afraid to even say no to their customers. And you know, they look me in the eye when I suggest that they say no to certain customers. It's like, Thanks very much, but you know we'd rather not do your work for you. Uh, they're like, you can't do that. What if what if they complain? What if they write yeah, me a bad yeah. review on Facebook? It's like, yeah. so you thank them for their feedback and you move on. You know, no one's going to die. Uh, no, no. But but there's this fear of. It's almost like this fear of offending people has permeated our own actions around. Well, what if I do the wrong thing? You know, what if I make the wrong decision in my business? What if I send my kids to the wrong school? What if I employ the wrong person for the job or do my marketing wrong or get the headline wrong on my freaking email? And so there's so much paralysis amongst people um, just in their day-to-day lives, particularly as business owners. Uh, I guess I'm, I'm interested in your thoughts on that, Michael. I mean, you probably, you know, you're working in an artistic space, uh, as far as our tradie business owner listeners, uh, what's what do you think is is a way for them to change that, or how do they go about? You know, if someone's listening to this, going, "Yeah, well, I do feel like that, but shit, was I can't I can't change that. That's just the way it is." Are we just stuck with this, Michael? I I, I don't think uh, I. Th- this is a, a really great question. And it's a really difficult thing that needs more than just what we're doing now is is correct. Talking about it, saying here's the issue. It's complicated. It's difficult. Uh, but along with what you're saying, with the inability, not having the freedom to speak or too scared to offend everybody, there is also a rise in anxiety level. I think this is, that is linked to that, and the anxiety is crippling us, and we're, we're just passing that on to our kids. So we're becoming this frightened, fearful society. And and we don't really have, I mean, I know we've got issues, uh, but every generation has issues. You know? yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I, I think uh, robust discussion, I think uh, even, even to the point of, well, it's okay to disagree with each other and still get on. You know, there's, uh, and that's why the same sex thing is so interesting at the moment. People are going, if you vote no, I'm defriending you. Yeah. I'm thinking, really interesting, you know, so you can only have friends who vote with you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and I'm saying, well, the people who are doing that are actually, you're actually working against the change because the other people are thinking, well, I don't want a society where I have to agree. I want to have the right to disagree. I want to have the right to have my own thought. And, um, and I, I think it's, it's going back to saying we need, there's a men's rights group moving, and I think it's naturally growing. And when you hear my 80-year-old father going, we need men's rights, and my father's been a quiet man all his life, you know we've reached the point where us guys have to get up and go, okay, look, you've just got to start liking men's life stuff or, or sharing it or getting in there, supporting it. Having this woman say to me, uh, only women buy tickets, men aren't interested. There's, to me, that was like a defining moment of thinking, well, that's just wrong. And if, it is, if they aren't, then they need to change. Yep. Because if we're losing this many people, this many blokes a day, then it's time for us to actually take an active interest and say, this, this, is, this is wrong, we need, to, we need to work together, we need to do something. We need to do something even if we don't know what it is, but we need to start doing Standing back, being silent, and working, we're just we're just falling off the perch. So, what we're doing now, this conversation here, talking, um, this is the start of it. This is the start of the tide. I think this tide's already started with the men's rights group. Another interesting thing was that red pill thing that came out. <laughs> Remember that? 
Bill documentary. Didn't, didn't that uh, ruffle some feathers? Now, all she said was she went to investigate it, and, uh, and I'd never heard of Red Pill. And, uh, and I got with my 15-year-old son and said, well, let's watch the documentary and see what it's all about. What? It's just men saying, look, it's time for some male rights. It's time for us to maybe address the issue and say, you know, we've got to equalise it, especially when it comes to divorce courts, especially when it comes to kids and stuff like that, because they're the men we're losing. Sunday night, after the kid, after they hold over, hand over the kids, that's often where they lose the men. Because who am I? Who am I as a man? I was a father. And, and to be a father now, if I get this in, my son's going to kill me. <laughs> but, uh, uh, my son and I had an altercation about something a little while ago. And and because of the way the kids had taught him, uh, he uh, he called a counsellor. The counsellor called the police. The police called the school. And suddenly, I'm this. And it's nothing to anything my father would have done to me as a kid. But suddenly you realise as a father you have no say. And that's what I say in the play. You are a uh, money-earning spectator. And, and then when it comes to the divorce court, which has got a lot of mates going through that now, that's even more. You know, as you said yourself, you sort of become, it's like you're going, okay, the best thing to go is just go like quiet as a mouse and once we stop kicking you, then you can move on with your life. Yeah. This yeah. is working. Yeah. This ain't working. It's 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 unhealthy for us. And men, fathers, I mean, we lay down our lives for our kids. You know, yeah. it's it's and even guys who've got kids who they've left, they still it's it's we're not these unfeeling, heartless stones that we seem to be betrayed as. We're not. You know what I mean? Yeah. Being, yeah. A, being a father is incredibly important to me. You know, it's, it's, I can't even remember my life before I was a father. You know, it's just who I am now. Yeah. Not that I'm good at it, but I'm <laughs> who I am. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, it's, it, these these things, yeah, I don't, I'm rambling now, but I think generating discussion, and that's what it is, this play, because what I realise I can do is I don't have the answers, but I'm good at getting questions going. Yeah. And that's what this play does. This play gets questions. It, it's a shit-stirring play. And it's to get you thinking, get you talking, and generate conversation and stuff like this. And afterwards, the men that have come up, they talk to me not about how they wanted to do it, but how they got past it. And that's the information we need to that the other men need to hear. Yeah, you'll get to a situation where you think, fuck it, I've got a gun, I'm out of here. And that's when you need to hear the advice of other men of how to get past those moments. Yeah. Because... There's still lots of life to live, and you've got, you've got forever to be dead. And there's lots of life to live. You can get through all sorts of manner of shit and come back, and you're worthy. And the most beautiful thing for me in the play is the office worker, who is like a nothing of a man, really, in, in society. Uh, we get to see how much worth he has and how much good he can offer. And he's just, a, he's just, an, office, he's just an office administrator. Men have great work. And and this way we have society set up at the moment, the ageism and all these other things where men over 50 are seen or over killed is a complete economic disaster and it's a waste of valuable a valuable resource which is men. Yeah. It's it's interesting, Michael, because uh, I was having a chat with a tradie uh, just this week about the, you know, the much maligned skills shortage in this country and and you know we we have a lack of uh skilled and experienced um workers in a whole lot of industries but in particular the trades and you know my dad was a, a builder and and a screen printer um in his younger days and he learned from tradespeople. um but it's like you know we we like you're saying we're silencing people so much and obviously, we're talking predominantly about men today. Um, we're losing a lot of that transfer of knowledge, and I mean, nearly three thousand uh, Australians take their took their own lives in two thousand and sixteen, and seventy five percent of them were men. So that's a that's a hell of a knowledge base that's that we're losing through that tragedy, and you know that's just the tip of the iceberg in terms of the the impact of that but also the people who aren't willing to speak out about stuff you know they're not willing to 
um, you know, pull somebody up, pull up an apprentice on something because you might take them to fair work or she might take them to fair work uh, and complain about their treatment, you know, because they're not doing their job properly. Um, yeah. And I was literally sitting here in my studio talking to somebody uh, just just a, a day or two ago um, that employers are pretty much becoming the second wave of parents to a lot of the, yeah. their young employees. Yeah. Because they're having to teach them life skills. They're having to teach them to deal with conflict and critical feedback. And, you know, that's not acceptable. You need to change your behavior. And unfortunately, that's not accepted very well by uh, a lot of people who are in the workforce these days. Well, what's interesting is the employee actually has almost more rights than the parents because they can sack them. Not yeah. at the door. Yeah. Apparently, you can't. You know, most of the time, you, you know, it's, but I do know in schools, even from when we were, I'm not saying you've got to have hit the kids, but it's even from when my children were small, they go, no, you can't do anything to us as you do, you know, the teacher's problems to tell the kids in trouble. And I'm thinking, well, this is really interesting because it, it does come up to that. You can't, you know, out, down here now, they're saying to, uh, uh, the parents are bringing in the law that if your kid doesn't go to school, uh, they can find you. But if you do anything to force the kid to go to school, he can get you arrested. You know, it's, it's, it's this really, there's a sense of powerless almost. You want to love, you want to do this, you want to, even like that mate that said that, that thing to you where he, he said he's going to bash it. <laughs> now, politically correct world, that is completely wrong. It's out. You know what I mean? If you get your father, you could go, well, I'm getting you arrested. You're getting me wrong. Yep. But that's a, a form of love. Oh, absolutely. You know, this guy taking the risk with your friendship, saying, listen, you know, we can lose a friendship here, but you need to put your, put your shit together. And, 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 you know, sorry, Michael, um, he was the first phone call I made uh, when my, basically when my marriage um, fell apart and I was... I was, uh, you know, very close to making a rash decision about my own life. Um, his was the first number I dialed because I knew he wouldn't judge me. He wouldn't ridicule me. I knew he would understand. Uh, it was just, you know, it was, a, it was an emotive decision to call him, but he was the, the number I called. That's great. So, That's great. And you know, he's the most non-PC guy I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and interesting. You know what I mean? That's awesome. That's that's that's, that's an awesome story. So, uh, so I want to ask you about authenticity, Michael. Obviously, you know you've you've um, shared some thoughts and opinions today, which some people might consider to be uh, offensive or upsetting or whatever it might be. And and you know, it's certainly not our intent to upset anybody, but. If there's one thing I would say, it's that you've been authentic today, and and my listeners can't see you uh, on Skype here, but I've been watching your facial reactions, and uh, you know it's it's evident in our conversation that I'm speaking to the real Michael. Um, how how important do you think that is in in our relationships? And again, I want to still draw perhaps a tenuous link between this conversation and uh, and owning a business. Um, what part does authenticity play these days in uh, being a business owner and, and just being a member of society? Well, I, I'll talk from being a member of society. Uh, it's I, That's a choice uh, I made. I, you know, you watch these... Well, I, I saw this guy on Facebook uh, a few years ago, actually, a professor urging people to speak the truth, no matter who it hurts, who it offends, in order that in your in your time in this life, whatever this life is, you get the most out of it. You get to be the most the real you, you know what I mean? And uh, and and I find that interesting. Life's life's a journey. Uh, maybe for me for the writing, I, I don't know, but for me, life's a journey, even if you're stuck in the one place, uh, it's learning, it's growing, it's thinking, it's it's being who you are. Uh, it's um, you know, it's, it's learning to accept yourself for who you are, your faults and everything like this. And, uh, and in that journey, truth is the only thing you can build on. Uh, you can't build on lies. You can't build on bullshit. 
truth uh, can fix you, can repair you, and can build on. That's why in a lot of relationships that go awry, it's the head-screwing thing that just absolutely drives people nuts, you know, because they, they know it's not the truth and they can't figure out which way to go, where the truth really does set you free as much as you can know the truth. I mean, the truth is, is that we're on a rock spinning through all this <laughs> yeah. you know, black space that doesn't, you know, you can't really use them in your daily life. It's personal truth, truth though. But, but the personal truth, yeah, the personal truth of who you are and, and what you want to do with your time on the planet um, is, is, I think, is, is what it's about. And that's the way to build relationships because then you know if someone's with you, they're with you because they like you. That's it, because they can see who you are. That's it. If you don't like me, well, no offense, you know, but that's why. Right. Um, but yeah, but, but for me, the journey for myself and, and in my writing and stuff like this, that's always about trying to find, understanding what's going on and also looking for uh, an Australian identity, because I think we've lost it. I think we've lost who we are as Australians, and I think we're surviving on old myths. And those old myths are, are curtailed in uh, political correctness and we're sort of lost in the middle of it, who we are and, and where are we going, you know? Mm. It'd be great to have one visionary politician who stood up and instead of saying all oh, the crap that they usually say, gave us some great grand vision, we could all aim for the one thing. But um, but for the moment, yeah, for the moment, my, my journey is trying to understand who I am in this thing. And, and trying to stir up questions about things that are that mean a lot to me and uh, and men mean a lot to me in not in the same sex marriage well though you and I can get married shortly if we're successful but uh, well I'm already I'm already engaged to somebody else mate so that's that's not currently legal <laughs> but uh, but 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 the journey to men and I, I really I think this is a really exciting time for men I think men can can actually come up and find out who they are, find their place in the world, say this is us, and, and do what the women did. The women did it. They did it against the oppression of us. And uh, and now it's, now I think it's our turn to turn up. So, yeah, we're getting a bit of flack. That's how it goes, you know, and it's coming up and saying we're a part of the cake too, you know, we want our flight. Mm. And, uh, and we have to do it because if we don't, we're just going to keep losing more and more men. And, uh, and that's a tragedy, not only for the men we lose, but for every man we lose, they're surrounded by people that just uh, are devastated by their loss. The mother of the, uh, the, the my friend, she told me for a year she's just she's just collapsed. She's done nothing. So it, it's more than just this. It's like ma- these three thousand men are like massive minefields, massive sort of craters, emotional craters going off in our society. Yeah. So it's more than just the statistics of the number, it's everyone that gets affected by it. And so, that's, uh, and that's yeah. the thing, you know, we, we talk about the statistics and, uh, you know, just, just on rough sort of numbers, it's about six men per day take their lives in Australia alone. That's not worldwide, that's just in Australia. Um, and, you know, their fathers and brothers and, Business owners, uh, you know, it's it's the the ripple effect is massive. Um, yeah. You know, they're leaving widows behind, um, or you know, spouses behind, partners behind. Uh, but yeah, I think um, you know some great points there on on living an authentic life, Michael, and uh, certainly. Yeah. Interesting with that point. Uh, so uh, my job doesn't like me. My job doesn't allow to like me saying what I do now. I think I probably already said it, but they don't like me. They actually told me don't tell them um, because that's how it is. But I work with a lot of guys now. In I, one of the men who's been there, been there for forty years, and I asked him how many suicides have happened uh, with with the men since you've been working here, mm. and he said none. And in the staff room, uh, the men are just talk about anything. They're, they they are just freely open and they la- every second line someone's laughing at something and and the seriousness or everything gets handled in there the seriousness it comes up it gets handled respectfully then jokes and pushed around like what your mate does yeah and even in that little bit of uh, socialization with the men I think that links to the fact that they haven't lost one man in the forty years 
Mm. And so that's another thing to play. It's almost like it's set in a staff room. So it's, it's, I think there's something there that could save lives in allowing them to be together, letting them be themselves, and seeing they can nurturingly help themselves through the dark dark moments of their lives. Mm. Certainly, uh, some fascinating issues there, Michael, and uh, and it's been fantastic talking to you today. The play, the play is called Suicide Row, and uh, it's currently running in Melbourne. Is that right? Yeah, it uh, opens in November the first in uh, Paran, in a uh, yeah, great new place there called the NC Showroom, and uh, and then hopefully it works. And then we're going to take it from there. We're going to try tour it and. Uh, Take it round and see if we can uh, see if we can uh, crack open some men. Yeah, yeah, crack some thick skulls. Uh, so, if if people do want to find out more about you and and Suicide Row or any of your other plays, is there somewhere they they can go to uh, to read more about you, Michael? Yeah, uh, find it on Facebook. You can Suicide Row on Facebook. I think we're the only one. It's not a popular title, uh, <laughs> and. Uh, uh, yeah, I think we're also uh, Google us to come up first as well, and uh, and then it's my name. I mean, I can send links to you guys if uh, yep. you've got it, but that's about it. We don't have a website because no one seems to go to them much anymore. It seems to be more uh, Facebook media, anti-social yeah. media. I'll uh, I'll pop the links in the show notes for this episode, and uh, right. and and what address should they send the hate mail to, Michael? <laughs> don't send it to me they're all they're all michael's opinions not mine just because i had him on the show no look i i welcome the opinions i uh i i uh i love having a good stout yeah so, uh, yeah and i said facebook no problem at all befriend me have a crack i'll be there if i've got the time i'll be there just give me the time to comment back but uh i think it's very 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 healthy to air out Absolutely, mate. I mean, I, I think we're we're losing the art of a good um, debate and a robust conversation yeah. without making it personal and feeling like you know that I'm being threatened. So, um, no, no, it's just getting it out there, having a good old spell. Absolutely. Heating uh, said, uh, it, it, you, you, judge, "You should be judged by the people who hate you more than the people that like you." And some, or something like that that he said. And you know, he, he was a great guy. He loved a great spell. So. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't problem, don't mind that at all. Good stuff, mate. So uh, just quickly, what's next for you? Do you have another project in the wings? Uh, yeah, we've got another play coming up uh, pretty well straight afterwards, um, which we're really excited about because we contacted a, uh, a Sydney director called Arnie Nimi. He used to direct Homicide and Matlock and, and um, he rescue all those, all those things. And I said, look, what do you think of this? And uh, he said, oh, well, I want to come down and direct it for free. And we're like, wow. So, and that's about a father who, uh, just a dead ordinary security guy, um, a strange thing. And his daughter has uh, committed a robbery. She's nice at it. She's committed a robbery. And he abducts her. And he has no intention of handing over to the authorities. He's going to try to save her, even though he wants after her. And it's, it's, it's. It's all about the love that a father can build uh, to a child, even even a child from this thing. So it's a big thriller, but uh, people like it, so we're, we're getting straight onto the afterwards. So it's, uh, yeah, it's called an iceberg burn. So that was supposed to be next, but this this way just turned up, so we're going with this one first. But, uh, nice, mate. Yeah. Nice. Good to see yeah. you're not afraid of uh, sticking your neck out uh in a bit of creative expression and tackling some of the big social issues, Michael. So it's actually really interesting to do. You know, it's, it's, there's actually great material there. I think I think if there's any guys out there who want to write, I mean, don't be frightened. This is this is if you're not writing about the issues, you know, you know, that's what it's about. Art is about tackling the issues. That's what it's supposed to be about. You know, not all of it. You know, you can't have entertainment as well, but you know. Why not? Here we are. This is, these are the great issues of our time. We have some massive issues on our plate, and we need to tackle them. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Well, Suicide Ray certainly does that. Um, Michael, thank you again for coming on the Tradies Business Show. It's been an awesome chat, and uh, I look forward to uh, speaking with you more and hopefully seeing the play come to uh, to my region as well. So uh, yeah, fingers yeah, crossed no, for that one, mate. Yeah, no worries. Awesome. Take care. Thanks, buddy. Yeah. 
You've been listening to the Tradies Business Show with Warwick Bidwell. Want to get off the tools and into true business ownership? Find out how at tradiesbusinessshow.com.